Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Before the game kicks off, let's ramp it up with college football overtime. Here's, here's, here's Garrett Chapman and Abe Gordon. Welcome into the College Football Overtime Podcast. My name is Garrett Chapman. His name is Abe Gordon. And we have a lot to get into, Abe, because we are jam-packed. It is rivalry week. It is the best week of the college football season. I don't care what anybody says. You can say conference championships. You can say opening game. You can say national championship. You can say New Year's Six games. I don't care. Nothing matters more than rivalry week because there are teams who can go 0-11. And if they finish the season with a win in this game, Nothing else matters. Like nothing else matters. That is a check in your box because those weeks matter this much to these teams. Florida, Florida State, Clemson, South Carolina, Georgia, Georgia Tech. We got the Iron Bowl. We've got the game. We're going to get into all of it and more. Abe Gordon, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, you hit it on the head, man. Like it is rivalry week and so many teams' ultimate goal is obviously gone. There there are a lot of teams who are not playing for a shot to represent in the college football playoffs. And a lot of teams have already become bowl eligible, but for so many of these games, it is that make or break for your season because you'll have to hear it from those dudes for a freaking year. If you don't win on Thursday or Friday or Saturday. So uh, rivalry week still means something. Um, even when only one or two games really have a complete national championship implication. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's none, but, Mm. Uh, we got a couple of those this year, and I look forward to it all. Absolutely. And then you just add that little extra level of motivation. It just seems to uh, to, to play that little fun, spiteful role that somebody can do. Like, look, Kentucky and Louisville is a perfect example of that. I mean, you you have a, a Kentucky squad who's – they're bowl eligible, but that's about it. They're not playing for anything meaningful outside of a bowl game. Uh, but this game in and of itself is meaningful yeah. to them, you know, because they can do something – terrible to louisville (laughs) and they can knock them out of new year's six contention and and kind of put a damper on their season uh the same can be said about georgia tech and clean old-fashioned hate i know brink key when he was hired as the head coach of georgia tech said that they're going to work 365 days a year to beat the rival in this state he's going to have another opportunity on saturday he said that he had two goals at the beginning of the season win six games get to a bowl game and beat georgia like i said He has an opportunity to do that. But, Abe, we're going to get into all of those conversations because we have tons and tons of awesome bowl games to talk about. My favorite time of the year. But before we do that, Abe, I do want to get into our college football playoff poll reactions because we have a new set of teams in the top four. Not all completely new. We still, for whatever reason, there's been little to no chaos at the top of this poll. Georgia is at your number one team. We saw that happen last week. This week, we see Washington jump in over Florida State. Uh, I'm not going to say this because of the Jordan Travis injury. I'm not going to say that that Bugor, Corrigan, and, and company are, are trying to project necessarily what Florida State's going to be without their starting quarterback down the road. What I do see is Washington got a really, really big, impactful win over Oregon State on Saturday. So that's the reason why they jump into that top four. Ohio State and Michigan, of course, they're going to be duking it out. 
on Saturday in another edition of The Game. And we'll get into that discussion here in a little bit. But that right now is your top four. Abe, do you have any thoughts on those guys? I, I just think it makes sense uh, when you finally add up what Washington has done. Uh, look, they beat three straight ranked opponents. Um, whether or not they're still ranked is a different story. And some teams they beat earlier have now jumped into the rankings mm-hmm. like in Arizona. I, I don't play around with the what they were at the time versus what they are now stuff. But at the time, they beat three straight ranked opponents in USC, Utah, and Oregon State, all quality squads. Uh, and Florida State's been, uh, you know, they've been getting by there. Obviously, you had the win at the start of the year. and um, But but it, I do think you finally add it all up in terms of the resume for Washington, including um, what obviously is one of the best wins in the country yeah. uh, that went over o- Oregon. I, I, I don't think this is about Jordan Travis. Uh, I, I think this was about, in my opinion, Washington's resume with another ranked win, a top 15 win on the road, surpassing Florida State. And again, the committee knows the situation. When all is said and done, Florida State will still be able to play their way in. And let me echo this before we even dive into the games. There is no scenario in which an undefeated ACC champion, Florida State, is getting left out and jumped by a one loss. It's just not going to happen. There hasn't been an undefeated conference champion, the Power Five, left out of the finals since Auburn, and that was when they only had two teams. I think that was maybe back in like 04 or something like 2003. 03, the 04 championship game, right. Um, So for anyone like worried about this and seeing them dropped in the rankings, like that's not happening. Like like just straightforward, it is not happening. Hmm. Florida State beats Florida on the road, and they go to a neutral site and beat what is potentially a top seven or eight team in Louisville, depending on how things do play out this rivalry weekend, if Louisville stays in the top 10, even if they don't stay in the top 10, if Florida State beats Florida and Louisville in the ACC championship game, they are going to be in the college football playoffs. This has nothing to do with Jordan Travis's injury, so don't even start that discussion. This has to do about Washington going on the road, beating a top 12 team, uh, and remaining undefeated. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, I, I have a hard time believing that any one of the teams in the top five, if they finish the season undefeated and unscathed is has any reason of worrying about not making it any of those teams in the top five. The only teams that I'm a little concerned about necessarily are uh, those one loss teams and what happens in those situations, Oregon, Texas, Alabama, Texas. I'm probably the most concerned about right now because they're sitting at seven. They might get that extra. They'll, they'll, they'll win the Big 12 title game, assuming that they make the rest of the season unscathed. Is that going to be enough to push them up into the top four? I don't know. I don't. What is the biggest jump that a team has made? I think it's six to four. I want to say that's what it was back in um, uh, 2014, back when TCU and, and everybody and Baylor got skipped over um, by, I think, I think it was Ohio State who skipped them over, I want to say. But um, that was a little while back, so I can't remember off the top of my head. But no, it's 15, 15, I think, 2016, something, something in there. TCU and Baylor, whatever year that was. I think that was really the, one of the only times we've seen somebody drop out of that poll in like that kind of situations. And that was because they didn't have a conference championship game. And that's when the conference championship yeah. conversation started happening. And that's why everybody has a title game now. Um, so I think that's going to matter. I don't know if it's going to matter enough for a Texas to make that jump. They still have one of the best wins of any team in the country with their win over Alabama. And that still is re- uh, reflected here in this poll because Alabama sits at number eight, Texas at seven and Oregon at six 
of those teams, Abe, which one has the best shot of jumping in? Well, I'll be honest. If they win out, both Oregon and Alabama would get in. Um, both of them, Alabama would jump Texas. I have no single mm-hmm. doubts in my mind that if they win out, um, they would replace Georgia. If Oregon wins out, they would replace Washington in the top four. So you're talking about big jumps. Alabama at eight right now could make their way all the way up to four if it plays itself I- I- into that scenario. Um, Texas can't uh, obviously have either of those one losses, or, or especially not Alabama. Um, but but Alabama could jump in. Washington is a, a near lock to jump in. Um, if they get to a situation where they rematch Washington and they beat Washington, hmm. Oregon would be a lock. I, I don't know if I fully agree. I, but the thing is, it's based just based purely off of the way that the poll has fallen to this point. I tend to think that the, the committee is valuing the head-to-head win that Texas and Alabama. Yeah, I, I guarantee you, I guarantee but you they'll jump. They'll, not, they'll jump. If if Alabama beats Georgia, yeah, exactly. That would be snapping a 29-game winning streak of the back-to-back winning of back-to-back national champions. And I think that would be without question the most impactful and important win of any team this season. Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't know. I, that's that would be. No, I, I, I have I, I have no the hesitation. There is Texas no is right not getting in ahead of completely. Alabama if Alabama wins the SEC championship. It's no, not the SEC happening. title. The SEC title winner is going to make it, and I, I just I firmly believe that Missouri Louisville are sitting there at nine and ten. That runs no, no top shot. Ten. They have no, no shot. shot. I, I really the loss for Louisville against Pittsburgh is just too much. Um, but, well, and, the loser of Ohio State Michigan would get in over over an ACC yes. champ Louisville. They, they just I would. agree. Yeah, they would also get in over a one. And so would state. so would by the way Georgia if they lose in the SEC, they would also get in over mm-hmm. over Louisville. And there there are plenty of teams that would that would do that. Yeah, I think the committee's most recent uh, rankings, I, I think, it, it, are pretty reflective of which teams would make it in, uh, which ones have the best shot of making it in if they lose one more game, um, just by virtue of credibility in the teams at the, the, the resumes and everything else. But I think it makes for a very interesting final stretch of the season. Of course, all eyes are going to be on the game, Ohio state and Michigan. It's going to be a great contest between two very good football teams, two teams that uh, we've seen very strong defense from both of them, which offense is going to step up. We're going to get into that discussion right here on the college football overtime podcast. Uh, but Abe, I do want to start here in the sec, Florida state and Florida. This is the Sunshine Showdown, the game that uh, the title that I, you tell me that nobody actually uses. But <laughs> my my biggest overarching question for this game is, I'm, I'm assuming yours is too. What does Florida State and this Seminole offense look like without T- Jordan Travis? He is without question their most important player. I, I think he could he has a claim of being the single most important player to any team of anybody any team in the country. And I want to see what he what this team looks like without their undisputed leader at quarterback. And Tate, Rod- Tate Rodemaker, can he step in? He's been on the bench for a little while. He's been sitting behind Jordan Travis for a number of years. Can he just step in? And, and what is that transition like? There is uh, – this, this is about as difficult of a football game for you to step into making your first collegiate start. Uh, I, I don't feel – I feel pretty rough for Tate Roadmaker here in this game, but what are your thoughts on this game? Florida, Florida state. I know you have some, um, some ties to this football game. So speak on that. And then what's your, what are your thoughts for this game overall? 
Well, it's interesting because you're dealing with the same problem from both teams. I, I know you mentioned Jordan Travis and the gruesome injury, but Graham Mertz is not going to be available either. He, he <laughs> had some issues with his clavicle or collarbone, and, and it's going to be Max Brown for the, the Florida Gators. So you've got questions for both teams. I was actually very confident Florida was going to win this game uh, before both injuries. Um, when Travis goes down and you do still have Graham Mertz, just the way the timeline worked out, it's like, oh, Florida's definitely winning this game. Now I've brought it back into a little bit more doubt because I just don't know what you're getting from Florida or from Florida State. From the Florida State perspective, the thing to me is the playmakers have not changed. This is not about Rotomaker. This is about the offensive coordinator, the head coach, and your play callers and your design. Mm -hmm. You get the ball into the hands of your playmakers. You are not asking Rotomaker to do anything else except find ways to get the ball to Wilson, Bell, Coleman, let those guys pick up the extra slack. It's their job to do the work. It's not Rotomaker's job to do the work. That's my opinion. Yeah. And now I want to see Trey Benson. Trey Benson in particular is somebody who I'm going to be looking at to take a a big step forward. Go ahead. From the Florida perspective, I think you're probably looking at a different offense. Max Brown is a much more athletic quarterback than Graham Mertz. We haven't seen much from his arm. But we know we can run. We, we saw that in, in the very bits and pieces that we, we've got to see him against a very good defense against Missouri. And he led some, some drives uh, in that game. So I'm interested to see how the Florida Gators adjust their offense. And for both guys, for both guys who had to come in spur of the moment, very limited action this year, and just kind of roll with it. What does that one week of practice that they've now had mean to each guy? What does it mean to Max Brown and them opening up the pass game from what we saw uh, against Missouri, where he was a very run heavy option, quarterback runs sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then same thing for Rotomaker, the timing, the consistency, the chemistry, because he'd been running with the twos. He hasn't had time with the ones for both guys. What does it mean on offense? This is a game that is at the swamp. I'm normally not a, well, it's a rivalry game, so anything can happen. Uh, but you mentioned it on, on our last podcast. The way Florida played against Missouri shows to you that they have not given up on this season. They have not given up on their coach. And they are one win away from getting to a bowl game. A night game at the Swamp, even for number four. Even if it were Jordan Travis, would be very dangerous for Florida State. Excuse me, number four, now number five. My apologies. But um, I think this is a very dangerous spot for Florida state. I I think for anyone who questions um, would Florida state not make it in if they won these last two games, I think you see what's going to happen Saturday. Um, If Rotomaker could come out and win this game, that is a big, big boost for Florida state. Uh, I still do like Florida. Um, I I just think they're desperate. I think they're playing hard. Um, and, and I just think Max Brown is ready for his moment. It'll look different, um, but I, I think you you see some interesting offense. I think ETN, the quarterback run, uh, you keep it on the ground and see what happens. But, um, boy, this is a really, really good one that took some interesting, pardon the pun, knocks um, last week. And th- this is one that because of these variables – Honestly, Garrett, anything could happen in the swamp on Saturday night. I think this makes for one of the most interesting games on Saturday, um, just in general, because just surely because of the unknown factor, I think that tends to favor the home team. 
just in general um, because you're playing in the confines of your, of your home stadium, you have your fan base and everybody uh, there behind you. And I think that's going to make, that's going to be the difference for me. Can Florida keep this within striking distance? Um, don't get burned by big plays because that's what Florida state loves to do. But obviously what is Florida state without Jordan Travis? Like, I, like that's, there are so many unknowns in this game. I, I really don't know what direction to go with it. And I think it makes for, for massive upset uh, intrigue. Uh, Florida is a desperate football team, like you said. And, and yeah, I mean, look, they rallied and played very hard for, for Billy Napier uh, just as a team. And I think that they run the ball effectively enough to cause Florida State some problems. And I think you said it really well. I mean, your backup guy is an athletic quarterback who gets out and moves with his legs. And I think they're going to have some some option runs put together, and I think that's going to cause some headaches for Florida State. And you pair that with the home crowd, I think it makes for very interesting potential. But look, Florida State's had their back against the wall for, for a number of different games and a number of different times this season. So they could come out and roll because I don't know what to expect. Like, so it's, it just makes for a very interesting contest. Um, just one last thing there is, and you mentioned it. Uh, what is this Florida state team without Jordan Travis? And we'll find out 20 touchdowns, only two interceptions. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think that's a very key number. They have been very careful with the ball. Normally you win turnover margin, you win games. So that's another sure. aspect to look at for both teams. Uh, Max Brown, if he's scrambling, is he hold on to the ball? Is he careful with his passes, but for roadmaker too? Yeah, absolutely. And a Florida win would also just, usurp the the acc and I, I, as far as yeah. the college football playoff conversation goes because a loss for florida state would likely eliminate the entire conference it's um, over it would just, there's no, there's no likely it would it would be done and i think that there is no team that would be more happy to do something like that than the university of florida to their their good friends in tallahassee but yeah that should make for a very interesting game the sunshine showdown as nobody calls it um the clemson in south carolina the palmetto bowl I don't know if anybody calls it the Palmetto Bowl, but that's what people call it. That's what it, that's what Google told me, at least. I know that it's just Clemson and South Carolina. I know it's two teams who really hate each other. <laughs> they don't like each other a lot. Uh, South Carolina won this game last year in just a, an incredible comeback fashion at Clemson. Um, this year, South Carolina is looking to win its sixth game of the season, its fourth game in a row, and finish the game off, the season off with a bowl bid. Uh, for Shane Beamer and company. This is a much better football team when they play at home. Last week, we saw a defense win the day. They generally, they, they had won with offense uh, with Spencer Rattler scoring 37 points or more in every home contest this season. They won with 17 against Kentucky. Uh, I know we talked about that on Monday when uh, we had our reaction show right here on College Football Overtime. And I said, like, if you would come to me at some point before the game and said that that South Carolina is only scoring 17 points, I would have said they got blown out, but they won. And maybe that means that South Carolina is figuring something out. I don't really know as far as that's concerned. I do know that a really talented defense is rolling into town from Clemson, South Carolina. They have uh, memories of, of what happened last year and they have uh, some malcontent to, to deal with in this game and they want to get right after the loss last year. And and look, Clemson's playing at a high level right now. They're rolling. I think they're coming in. They're a dangerous squad, fresh off of a win against North Carolina, Georgia Tech, and Notre Dame. They look like a completely renewed team for Dabo Sweeney. This is going to be an interesting one. Two teams with a bit of a blood feud uh, and only one team with really something to lose. 
Yeah, you said more on this game than I'm going to. I, I look at it from this for a second. You said South Carolina may have figured some things out. Maybe they have, maybe they haven't. Clemson has. Clemson unequivocally has figured something out. They are playing their yeah. best ball uh, of the year, and they are looking for some get back for what happened a year ago. And I expect them to go into williams Bryce and absolutely handle business. Mm. I, I do not think this is going to be a competitive game. I, I think I'm not saying Clemson is back to where they were a couple uh, years ago, or even what we thought they might be at the start of this season. But they are they are back at a level that the Gamecocks cannot compete with. Um, and, and I think they walk in and serve up a little bit of a revenge for what happened last year, um, prevent South Carolina from going to a bowl, which is a little bonus for the Clemson fans, uh, and march on into a bowl game themselves. Yeah, I think that's going to make for a very interesting game. I know this game means a lot to the people over there in the Palmetto State. Um, I tend to agree with you. I think Clemson's just playing at a high level right now. I think they figured something out. The physicality that they're going to be playing with is just going to be too much for for South Carolina. But look, Shane Beamer. I mean, we they look like a different team this down this stretch. Uh, they've won four games, three games in a row. Um, ever since that disaster of a loss to Florida, where they fell apart in that fourth quarter, they've sort of they looked like they figured something out. Or it's just a product of the teams they've played. It's Jacksonville State, it's Vanderbilt, and it's Kentucky. So I think that we're going to learn something about South Carolina, and it, I don't know if it's going to be a good thing on Saturday against Clemson. Uh, let's move into our Thursday matchup, the Egg Bowl, one of my favorite games of the entire season, Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Something insane always seems to happen, whether it's a, a football player who pees like a dog or a, a, a gust of wind blocking a field goal. Something insane just seems to happen in the Egg Bowl. Um, this year, Ole Miss is looking to potentially go play in a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, so th if they win this game, they would be potentially on their way, depending on what happens, maybe in some other contests around the country. But Ole Miss has had a, a, a fantastic season. This game last year, you had the Lane Kiffin drama off the field. Uh, that was a bit of a detractor in this game. I don't see any of that happening necessarily this year. Um, Mississippi State seems to be a program that, I mean, they just have to fire their head coach. The, I don't really know if they have much of a direction right now, but it's the Egg Bowl. There's always something insane that happens, and it's happening in Starkville. Abe, what do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, look, th this might be the running theme of Rivalry Week is, is teams trying to keep their opponents from bowl games. You know, Florida yeah. State can do so by beating Florida. We just mentioned Clemson can do so by beating South Carolina, and Ole Miss can do so by beating Mississippi State. Um, and, and I'll be honest, I, I, I think Ole Miss is trending the way they want to trend right now, and I just don't mm -hmm. see much from Mississippi State. I think Ole Miss is looking to find a way to get into that New Year's Six uh, discussion, as you mentioned, uh, maybe finish the year a, as a top-10 program, which would be uh, pretty cool for them and, and for Lane Kiffin. Uh, obviously, they hope to win the SEC West and compete for the college football playoffs. That's out mm -hmm. the window this year, but mm. um, I, I just don't see much for them. I think they closed the season on a real high note. Jackson Dart uh, had a great game a week ago, and uh, we'll probably continue that at uh, at, at Davis Wade Stadium on, on uh, Thursday night. So uh, if you get tired of the NFL action on Thursday, remember there is one heck of a rivalry on Thursday night. No, screw screw the NFL. This is no. Nah, come on, on that's screen. why you get two TVs. No, nah, this is going on the big screen. Uh, Egg Bowl is chaos, chaos. It'll be on the big screen for about sip eight on minutes some bourbon, sip on some bourbon, and, and let the let, let the good folks from Mississippi <laughs> entertain you for the evening, man. Lane Kiffin and company. There's always that would not be, be the first time happening. the folks from Mississippi have been entertaining. So. <laughs>
it should be a lot of fun. Uh, Ole Miss, of course, last week had the the really weird first half against Louisiana Monroe before they snapped back into it, eventually winning that game 35-3. to three. Uh, Weird, weird game from them. A, a kind of a bounce back from that hangover from that beatdown that they took in Athens against Georgia, 52-17. to 17. Um, But look, at the end of the day, this is one of those rivalries. You beat, you beat Mississippi State, everything else, nothing else matters. Like you, you beat Ole Miss, nothing else matters. Both of these teams hate each other, and, and they want nothing more than to beat each other up on Thanksgiving. But let's move on. Texas A&M at LSU uh, has all the makings of a fascinating rivalry, Abe. Uh, I really have one big thought about this game because Texas A&M obviously is – new head coach is on the way. I don't, we don't know who it is yet, um, but I, I think they're, they're going to start their interview processes here in a little bit. Uh, but LSU. They got a quarterback who's looking to win a Heisman Trophy. This is his last opportunity to make an impression on the committee. He doesn't have the the benefit that that a Bo Nix or or a Michael Penix or one of these other guys have, or even a Carson Beck, if you want to put him out there. He won't have the benefit of playing a 13th game. So that is a meaningful thing. He has to make his impact felt in this game. We saw it last week when they played Georgia State. He's, he had 540 yards or something like that, eight touchdowns. He's going to have to do something kind of like that in a game today on Saturday against Texas A&M. Yeah, I think his coach understands that. I think Brian Kelly has got a read on this situation. And look, he knew he was going to match Bo Nix and then surpass him in the second half. That that was done intentionally mm-hmm. um, with, with respect to Georgia State. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to do that again. Uh, if given the opportunity, they're going to run up the score. They're going to run up Jane Daniel stats. And it's exactly what... I expect to happen in this game. Obviously, the AM program is kind of all over the place uh, right now. And, and I just think LSU, even with the defense they have, uh, this feels like a three or four touchdown separation between these two teams. I, I just think at every opportunity to get Jaden Daniels a touchdown or build those stats, Thomas and neighbors are going to do it. Uh, I think once you're in the red zone, you look for him to run the ball into the end zone himself. Um, this is a big a stat pattern to try and win a Heisman. That's what I'm looking for on Saturday. Yeah, I, I don't think it's quite that easy. Um, this is still a pretty good Texas A&M squad, uh, plenty talented, and they have plenty to play for. They still have um, – I mean, look, this is a team that I expect a number of these guys are going to jump into the portal, depending on who it's going to be. So you, you talk about an audition for Jaden Daniels for the college – or the, excuse me, for the Heisman Trophy Committee. It's just as much a, a – one of those situations for, for these players at Texas A&M. These guys are potentially playing for their next program. Um, they're, they're looking to, to put on an audition and, and, and show that they can still play um, because they're very talented. They're very, very good over there uh, at Texas A&M. But I think it's going to make for an interesting game. Jaden Daniels, I'm, I'm sure, is going to be doing everything he can to stat those, or pad those stats. That's going to be the biggest storyline for me in that football game. Last one, or excuse me, Missouri and Arkansas. I want to get into this one before we get into the Iron Bowl. Uh, the battle line rivalry, which is one of the gaudiest trophies in college. It's just a massive trophy. Um, Missouri is looking to finish the season 10 and to lock up a New Year's six bowl. Um, meanwhile, this is Arkansas's bowl game. They're far from eligibility. They won't make it, um, but they could close out the season winning three of its last four games. Sam Pittman has already been announced that he is going to be the head coach of the Arkansas Razorbacks in 2024. Whatever your opinion is on that on that matter, he could end this season on a really high note, and he could end it with a punctuating win over a top-10 opponent in Missouri that would really 
I want to say old is forgiven necessarily, but it would help propel some momentum into the upcoming season. Uh, it would certainly uh, reconfirm the decision to keep him, which was a questionable one for me uh, after the week. And it, it might look even more questionable based on what happens here. Look, Every time I watch Missouri and we talked about it, um, and I watched them obviously very closely a week ago because it was a game that they won at the end against my Florida Gators. Every time I watch them, I just come away more and more impressed. Um, obviously, last week was a little bit of a setback based on their expectations, but I, I do expect them um, to, to go handle business once again. And you talked about Ole Miss uh, hanging and clinging to New Year's Six hopes, and obviously same thing for Missouri. Um, they're, look, their college football playoff hopes are non-existent. Uh, they're a two-loss team. Um, but I, I do think it is realistic to keep them in that discussion for a New Year's Six game. Uh, but to do that, they have to beat Arkansas. I expect Drinkowitz to have his guys focused and ready, and uh, you just have to wonder if keeping Pittman was the right move. But, boy, like you said, uh, certainly could galvanize the players, and we'll see what happens on Saturday in this one. It could prove uh, to really spur a, a huge upset if that's the case. Yeah, and this is an Arkansas team that wants to run the football. When they run for 120 yards or more, they're 3-2, and two, uh, and those two losses are by one score to LSU and Brigham Young, BYU. Um, when it does run for 120 yards or fewer, it's 1-5, and five, and that one win is over Western Carolina. Missouri has allowed more than 120 rushing yards in four of its last six games. So we'll see what happens there. But I think Cody Schrader at the end of the day, Brady Cook and company lose burden they got too much to play for i'd be hard-pressed to think that arkansas gives them enough of a challenge here in this game no matter where it's played uh, but it is being played over there in arkansas uh quickly vanderbilt and tennessee I almost forgot about this one i feel almost bad by saying that vanderbilt is vanderbilt we love them it's vanderbilt um uh, <laughs> they're going on the road to play tennessee uh tennessee the loser of two bad bad football games uh in which they the, the margin of victory is not even worth getting into it's been that brutal uh, for Josh Heupel and company, but they are still ranked in the top 25, uh, but they're holding on by a thread. I don't really know why they're still in the top 25. That's not really the point. The point is they have a chance to finish their season off on a high note with a win over in-state rival Vanderbilt. Uh, I don't really see much standing in their way of that. No, I, I look, th this is a situation where you should be winning this thing comfortably at halftime. You may even get a look at the future, may get a look at Nico in the second half, but uh, there's no reason for this to be, uh, a competitive affair. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is we really want to see what Nico looks like. We talked about we talked with the voice of the Tennessee Volunteers on Saturday. Um, there's always clamoring for that backup quarterback. Uh, I think they'll finally get their wish on Saturday. Well, maybe we'll see what he looks like. But Abe, I do want to finish with the biggest game in the SEC, what some people consider, many people consider, as the best rivalry in all of college football. It is the Iron Bowl. Um, Auburn and Alabama being played at Jordan-Hare Stadium in Auburn, Alabama. Honestly, my biggest question um, for either team, for Alabama, can it continue to roll? Can it overcome the home field advantage for Auburn? Um, they really haven't been tested all that much on the road this year. Their biggest games have all been, have all come at Bryant. So I, I do have that question mark about Alabama. Um, did they play Texas? Because they played Texas A&M. I'm just going off the top of my head here. Did they play Texas at Texas A&M? I think they did, and they struggled in that game. Um, but LSU, Tennessee, all of those games happened at home. This is a big game. Playing at Jordan-Hare Stadium, 3.30 on Saturday on CBS. Last game ever on CBS, by the way, for the Iron Bowl, which is a weird thought. 
Um, but I think that's going to be an interesting thing for Alabama. But for Auburn, how do they respond after last week's debacle? Because that was an embarrassing affair. You lose to New Mexico State, not just lose, you get blown out by New Mexico State in just a, a debilitatingly awful, awful performance. Uh, Abe, what are your thoughts on here? Well, look, I don't want to overreact to Auburn's loss a week ago. That was your prototypical look-ahead trap game loss. And so, whatever. I guess. <laughs> Even that, but what I mean is, like, take that take that game away. Sure. Nothing else matters anymore. I, 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 I never expected anything from Auburn in this game. What do they have to offer me in this game? They don't have quarterback play. I don't believe they can run the ball. And I don't think they can stop Alabama on defense. Uh, I don't care that this is at Auburn. I don't care that this is the Iron Bowl and a rivalry game. I see no way that Alabama is in trouble in this game in the fourth quarter. I'm not saying it never happens. That's why you play the games. It's not on paper. You line up and you get the job done. But I just think that they're way too talented and there's a large separation between these two teams. I know you talk about Alabama hasn't been tested on the road. You know what? Neither was Georgia. They went up to Neyland and they blew the doors off the place. It was quiet in the second quarter. I think the same thing happens in the Iron Bowl. Uh, I, I just don't see what Auburn has to compete with Alabama. I mean, Hugh Freeze was brought in here to win this football game, plain and simple. Down um, the road, he was brought in to win last week's football game this year. <laughs> Forget was. this one. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Um, look. I think Auburn has to force Alabama into a couple uncharacteristic mistakes. This is still an Alabama team that gets penalized at a high level. Um, there's a path to victory is all I'm saying. Like there is a path to victory. This is not a, this is not an unbeatable Alabama squad. I think that they look like a much, much improved unit from what we saw earlier in the season. I think that if they can somehow get Alabama to play that style and knock around Jalen Milrow a little bit on defense, that's really my only thought here that's the only way that they can really get something going they have to pressure Jalen Milrow and get him on the ground because when Jalen Milrow is able to escape and make plays with his legs and then throw the ball down the field that's where he destroys you and and then you start pressing and then you get out of your offense and then you're you're done it's over um Auburn is not built to sustain a game to win a game like that they have to win this low scoring slobber knocker of a football game where they have to muck it up as much as possible and they do that by forcing mistakes getting pressure on Jalen Milrow, letting the crowd be a factor and in your face, and then forcing turnovers. And I, I think that is your path. I, I think it's an unlikely path. Yeah. But we've seen Auburn do these kinds of things before against a much more formidable Bryce Young and company. They did this la- last time that they played here at, at Jordan-Hare Stadium. It took a, a miraculous fourth-quarter drive from Alabama to win this football game. Weird things happen when Alabama comes to Auburn, and it just happens – Every other year, it just seems to, to take place. Two years before that, Bo Nix and company beat this Alabama team. And they had no business in that game either. So it's just weird things happen in this game. And I, I'm it's absolutely going to be on my screen just because it's it's obviously the 330 game and very well worth watching uh, every single year that it happens. Uh, Abe, I'm going to move into the ACC. Of course, we're going to have a couple of AC, SEC teams that we still have to talk about, you know, clean old-fashioned hate, which we're going to get into here in just a second. Uh, but a lot of these teams play each other. So we got to partition these out. So this is what now where we're going to jump into our ACC conversation. Uh, I do want to start there with clean old-fashioned hate, Abe, because this is a game that Brent Key promised that he was going to work 365 days a year to work on winning. 
this is the team that that has been dominated. Georgia Tech is. Uh, they are. They've nearly been doubled up in the total total wins, and that just goes back to the Vince Dooley era. Since then, this game has com- been almost completely one sided. Uh, at one point, Jeff Collins was getting outscored in his two games, ninety seven to seven. Um, of course, last year Brent Key put together a pretty good performance and had Georgia in position or in kind of an awkward position at one point in this game. But I don't know if it's going to be enough for Georgia Tech. Of course, Haynes King is going to be a really talented athletic quarterback who's going to get out of the pocket and potentially do what Auburn was able to do to them earlier in the season. I just don't think the defense is going to be enough to hold. Uh, The defense has been just a sieve uh, all season, and I don't know if the scoring is going to be able to keep up. I think this might end up being like that game that we saw against Clemson. Yeah, the only way this is competitive is if Georgia doesn't take it seriously. If they are planning for Alabama, maybe trying to limit players to keep them fresh for the SEC title game, stuff like that. On the field, it's just not there. Um, uh, look, hmm. we can diagram a path to victory and with Hain King, Haynes King using his legs and you know, yeah. uh, maybe Carson Beck making a mistake. And uh, you can diagram whatever you want. It's just not going to happen. Like, it's just not there. Um, the, the real question is just <clears throat> to what point is Georgia focused on this week versus the the obvious outlier of, of having to deal with Alabama a week from now? Um, look, it's a great rivalry. It's got a great name. But it wow. has not been competitive in recent years. I don't think it will be competitive – this year. That being said, I think we've seen a roller coaster of a season from Georgia Tech, but generally the momentum is forward. We'll see as we go down further in the Brent Key era at Tech if this can become a little bit more competitive. Um, but look, Georgia's on one of the all time great runs in college yeah. football history <clears throat> right now. And Georgia Tech's a program that. It replaced its coach a year ago and is just happy to be in a bowl game. Yeah. Uh, we are not dealing with two programs at the same place in time. Um, and I think it shows on Saturday. But it's also really cool that this is returning to being a night game. Uh, very excited to see it under under the lights. You've got Ludacris performing uh, before the game as well. It, it's just a cool, um, it, it's a cool spot for this rivalry to be in considering the, the games themselves have not been um, overly compelling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, this is a – I don't really see a path to victory for Georgia Tech here. They just and – that, And that's okay, by the that's way. That's okay, but that's okay. Like, you know, it's like at, at this stage of, of where Georgia Tech is, they're looking to try and make this a competitive football game, and I think they can make it competitive. I just don't think that they have the depth really to win this game or, or, or really compete for all four quarters. It's just not where they are right now. Um, the times that they did win this game going back a couple of years, it's because of weird things that happened. And, and, and uh, in addition to just the, the sheer deception, uh, but Georgia's on this sort of run, they're on this trajectory that they're looking to become one of the all time great programs. And they're on one of the best runs in the history of this game. Um, I, I just, Weird things happen, potentially rivalry games. Clean old-fashioned hate has seen its share, fair share of crazy things. But look, Georgia Tech hasn't won this game in Atlanta since 1999, since its head coach, Brent Key, was playing. Um, that was the third and the last time that Georgia Tech won back-to-back games, and they won three in a row. 
um, in that 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 run. Um, but I, I don't really see much of a path. I mean, Haynes King would have to play out of his mind. I don't think that that's going to happen. I don't think they're going to let a quarterback, just the quarterback, win this game. Um, yeah. I just have a hard time believing that. Um, let's move into the Governor's Cup, Kentucky at Louisville. Look, this is another one of those rivalry games where a team has a chance to do something fantastic and destroy another team's season. Louisville's looking to play in a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, of course, they're playing in the ACC championship game against Florida State the next week. They have a chance to burn everything to the ground for Louisville, and I know that Kentucky would love nothing more than to do that. And, and I'm looking at the quarterback, Devin Leary. I need to see him put together a full four-quarter performance. I, I really haven't seen him do that with any sort of consistency this year. He's been such such a disappointment for Kentucky. Ray Davis has been a great player, but they got taken out last week. I mean, like, it's just – they just – I don't know really what went, went up last week against South Carolina. I mean, that, that that's not a strong South Carolina defensive unit, but they spelled Kentucky pretty effectively. Um, I have a hard time thinking that they're going to have any level of success against Louisville. But one thing that's worth noting is the health of Jawar Jordan, the running back for Louisville, and the health of Jamari Thrash, the wide receiver for, for, for Louisville. Both of those guys are critical pieces to what Louisville wants to do. Both are a little banged up. We saw both of them sort of scuffle scuffle around in the game against Miami, and it nearly cost them the entire game. Um, Jawar Jordan, of course, is dealing with, I think it's a hamstring or something. I, I can't remember what it was offhand. Um, but Jamari Thrash, is, he, he clear, they're both clearly in pain, and they're playing through some injuries. Uh, look, Kentucky, if they want to play that ground-and-pound physical football game, I think that that could work in, against a, an opponent like Louisville. What do you think? Yeah, I do think this is a trouble spot for Louisville with the physicality of Kentucky and what they look to do offensively and defensively when combined with the the potential of some key players either not being 100% or, or maybe not being available at all. Um, I do yeah. think this is a, a trouble spot for Louisville. Now, if you get Thrash and if you get uh, Gerard Jordan healthy, that's a big difference because you can get those guys in space. And I, I don't think Kentucky has a very good um, way to defend them, but if they're limited, if you're holding them out for the ACC title game, anything like that, uh, I think that's a real problem. I think it makes for a very interesting contest. I'm, I'm really excited. Oh, we got a new friend. <laughs> we got a little pup dog jumping into the podcast. I love it. She, she can jump. Chipper can jump in here whenever she wants to, by the way. I, I love her her insight. It's always fantastic. Uh, but I think it makes for a very interesting game, specifically the Governor's Cup. Louisville's looking to play in a New Year's Six game, finish its season 11-1, and one, uh, which would be just a, a truly magnificent season for, for Jeff Brom in his first year. Uh, but Stoops and company, man, I think they have, uh, they have the recipe potentially to really spoil Louisville's season. Let's move on down south. Well, I guess up north to Boston. Uh, Miami is traveling up there. I don't have too many thoughts on this one, Abe. Uh, Miami just seems to be scuffling along. Meanwhile, Castellanos and company, they, they've seemed to be ebbing after flowing uh, in midseason. Uh, what say you? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's a little late, but I guess better late than never for Tyler Van Dyke. He actually had a pretty good game a week ago yeah. in, in the loss to Louisville. So, so maybe he can keep that up this week. Um, look, I man for man player for player and it's been a been been an okay season for Boston College uh, I think 
that Miami is a better team. So I expect them to handle business uh, over the weekend. Yeah, it should make it make for an interesting game here. Trying to think of where they stand. Trying to pull up the ACC standings right here. Let's see. Boston College, six and five. They had long since qualified for a bowl game. They've been scuffling as of late. Yeah, both. So both of these teams are six and five. Miami is a Red Bull two and five in the ACC. They had they what has happened to this team uh, just in general? I mean, they have just faltered down the stretch in just an incredible way. I don't know what the issues are there, but they're going to have some questions to answer Mario Cristobal and company. Um, but let's move down south uh, a little bit south from there, I guess. Uh, Pittsburgh at Duke. Duke is a team that is just filled with what has what could have been. Um, I think this is a much better team that plays very well at home. They're five and one at home. Now they're welcoming in a Pittsburgh team that is looking to avoid the bottom of the conference. Uh, look, I don't think that Duke is going to have any issues with this game necessarily. They'll play some stout defense against a team that's not going bowling and might be firing its coach at the end of the season. Pat Narduzzi has had a great run at Pittsburgh, but I don't know what's going on with them this year, but they've sort of fallen apart. Yeah, th- this is one where I think both schools are just kind of turning the page and seeing what sort of momentum you can maybe build towards next year. Uh, obviously for, for Duke, Grayson Loftus is taking over the quarterback role right now. Um, had two touchdowns and an interception in, in a loss uh, to Virginia. You heard that right. They lost uh, to Virginia a week ago. So uh, it, it's just about trying to build some stuff and heading into uh, whether it be at bowl practice or, or spring, um, to, to, to figure some things out because you're right about Duke. There, there was a time where they looked like they could be playing for an ACC championship yeah. quarterback goes down, but it's been more than that. The physicality of the defense has been lost. Um, we saw that early in the year. It's what kept them in some very competitive games early on. Um, it's what led them to the, the season opening win over, over Clemson and kept them tight with, with Notre Dame. It's all just gone. Right now, it's falling apart. So they, they need to find a way to to reinvigorate that aspect of their game because their offense stand alone is not good enough. They they were very difficult defensively, and and that just seems to be a long loss at this point. It feels like they got tired. Is that just me? They, yeah, like they ran I, out I of gas. Know, yeah, I mean, maybe physically they couldn't. I don't you know if they can sustain, sustain that intensity and that physicality yeah. uh, week in week out and. Look, that that's probably a depth thing, right? I mean, yeah. you look at the bigger programs who you, know, you you could do that when you have seven, eight guys, nine guys, ten guys on the D line. When you you're trying to rotate three or four guys in, it, it just falls apart after a while. Um, mm-hmm. So so yeah, that 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 is probably the gist of it. Wake Forest is traveling up to Syracuse. Syracuse is looking to become bowl eligible for the second year in a row. Uh, but they did just fire Dino Babers, their head coach, which I thought was a little premature. I don't know what you think on that one. Uh, Wake Forest, the the bull bid is is long since passed. Potentially, they can make it in as a as a five win team, as a four win team. They have no chance. So maybe they have a little something to play for in that matter. Uh, really, at the end of the day, this is about who wants to finish at the bottom of the ACC. Uh, the loser of this game will lock in their their bid to be the worst team in the ACC, at least conference wise. That is my biggest level of, of competition in this one. Syracuse, of course, they seem to have figured something out at, at, on offense. They, they just play a tight end at quarterback and then just let the rest happen. They uh, they actually completed 14 passes in a row 
they were 14 of 14 while playing the tight end at quarterback. And then they substitute the backup quarterback at quarterback and his first play, he throws an interception. So you tell me, Abe Gordon, <laughs> it's just a weird spot for Syracuse right now, but uh, get a win. You can go bowling. Yeah. We're trying to see if you get some new coach energy, um, w- w- which has been a theme a little bit uh, throughout the season. Only a couple of schools obviously have fired their coach, but um mm-hmm. Look, it could go one of two ways. The guys rally together or they fall apart. And I still think Syracuse, uh, despite the, the huge slide from where they were 4-0 to start the season, I still think there's some decent stuff going on there. Uh, and it'll be up to the next guy to pick it up from where it's at. But uh, I, I do still think they're a better program than Wake Forest. And and uh, poor Dave Clawson's just getting killed for his comments about Notre Dame and how they treated uh Sam Hartman so um <laughs> he, he's turned the public's opinion because of that at least in my opinion uh so I think you'll have a lot of people rooting for Syracuse in this one I don't know about that I think he was just I think he was more of just making a joke than it was anything um it did not come people, off well he should have he should have ran it by someone before he threw that one out there for those who don't know the Sam Hartman of course was honored in a tribute uh the old Wake Forest quarterback he transferred up to Notre Dame and they said, well, we will always love you, Sam Hartman. And, and Dave Clawson said, well, he was ours first. You're only renting him or something. And it was just, eh, it was, it, I don't think it took over too well. There weren't a lot of laughs in the crowd, but uh, I knew what he was getting at. They, they kind of did, they did, they recruited him, they developed him, and he played there for what, four or five years? Um, he's a Wake Forest guy in my eyes. He's, he'll never be a Notre Dame guy. Played one year up there in South Bend, Indiana. Uh, had a great career down there at Wake Forest and really brought them back to relevance. Uh, Dave Clawson and company, but let's move up to the state of Virginia for the Commonwealth cup. This game wasn't played last year, Abe, due to the tragedy at the university of Virginia. Now it's going to be played at Virginia this year. Uh, believe it or not, this is a team in Virginia tech. They were at the top of the ACC at one point or right there underneath Florida state. I should say they were looking to compete for that second spot in the ACC title game, but Abe, believe it or not, this is a team that's not eligible for a bowl game yet. They are five and six on the season. Virginia is, of course, not going to make that bowl game. They're sitting there at three and eight on the season, but they have a chance to to make it so neither team goes bowling this year. Makes for a very interesting contest. What do you say? Yeah, they're another team that's just very dependent on their quarterback, Kyron Drones, and uh, led the team, obviously led the team in passing, makes sense, uh, but also led the team in rushing a week ago. We've seen a a couple of uh, ACC quarterbacks (laughs) do that throughout the year. Haynes King, Castellanos. Uh, Riley Leonard earlier in the year. So it's another one of those offenses. Um, I'm just, I'm befuddled at at what Virginia Tech has become, even after uh, obviously Coach Beamer. Um, The ACC is not good enough to where it should fall that far. If Florida State passes you, if Miami passes you, you know, on a given year, Louisville, sure. Um, but, but the fact that they're fighting for bowl eligibility when they were one of the preeminent powers for a a 15 year stretch or so, um, is just shocking to see how quickly it can come and go. Um, but boy, oh boy, I, I, they, you have to think that they, they have a lot of things in their favor, uh, at least this week. Um, I do think they're the better team. Um, and even going on the road, uh, fighting for it and we we've talked about it with some of these other programs desperation mode to get to a bowl game uh we'll see if virginia tech has that mindset as well 
Yeah, should make for an interesting game there. North Carolina is traveling to Raleigh, North Carolina, for a game between the Tar Heels and the Wolfpack. Um, I couldn't find a name for this rivalry. Uh, I don't know if it has one or if it doesn't. It was just called Carolina State or something, something like that. But I think this could be a very interesting game just because you have an eight-win squad over there in NC State. By hell or high water, they are going to get to eight wins. So they got there. So we'll see what happens in this one. Can they get to nine? I don't know. They've just been the pinnacle of consistency over there during this this tenure. Uh, North Carolina, of course, is looking to rectify a a pretty disappointing season, uh, one that started off so well and then just got derailed completely when they lost to Virginia and subsequently to Georgia Tech. Last week, they just kind of got bullied by a better football team in Clemson. What do you think about this game? Yeah, uh, look, th- this has been so disappointing on so many levels, but also surprising for NC State, who who have really bonded and, and come together in, at least in my mind, quite impressive fashion to 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 get to the point where they are um, nipping at the heels of Louisville. It, it, now they obviously can't get to the ACC title game, but but they they can solidify third place in the ACC with a win. Uh, against North Carolina, which which is, in my opinion, incredibly impressive. So um, they got Brendan Armstrong back. Uh, he played well a week ago in the win. And um, I don't know, just a, a really well-coached team this year by NC State. Uh, I would have thought these teams were in opposite situations coming in, that UNC was kind of in that discussion for third best. But NC State has really surprised me. They do get this game at home. And, uh, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see uh, probably the last uh, game uh, of the career of Drake May, I would imagine. I don't think the way that the trend has gone in terms of top quarterback mm-hmm. prospects skipping bowl games, um, this is probably it for him. So we'll, we'll mm-hmm. see if he can finish it out on a high note. All right, Abe, we're just finished up with the ACC. Let's go around the nation because there are more very interesting games, including – uh, Civil War, Apple Cup, Territorial Cup, and the game that we all have to get into. Um, so let's start at the Pac-12. Let's start here. So we'll, we'll go to the we'll go to Civil War, Oregon State at Oregon. Of course, this game matters for more reasons than one. This is the last edition of this game as two Pac-12 teams. I, I think it's still TBD whether or not these teams are going to play each other beyond this season. Now that Oregon is moving out of the Pac-2 and into the Big Ten next season. Bonex and company, I think they are rolling right now. This game is being played at home in Eugene. Uh, I, I think that's going to help them a lot in this game. But really, I, I think these are two really explosive offenses. The rain didn't do DJ Uyangale or Damian Martinez or any of these guys uh, any favors last week, but the defense looked pretty good. They played at a high level. They'll be needed this week uh, with Bonex and company and, and uh, Bucky Irving and everybody else coming in uh, to this contest. I think it, it makes for a very interesting game. Um, and of course there are massive ramifications on the line. Oregon is looking to play in a Pac-12 title game. They need to win this game because Arizona is still very much in play for a trip to this game. Uh, of course this game is just, it's a fun game. These two teams hate, these two teams hate each other a great deal. What are your thoughts here? I'm just anxious to see how Oregon looks against another team that I know is quality. I've seen a couple mm-hmm. of games from, from Oregon and, you know, I don't really know if I trust those teams. I, I do think this is a good team and I'll, I'll be honest. Um, I think Oregon is ready to absolutely annihilate 
Uh, I, I will be surprised if this is competitive. I, I don't know what it is about the Ducks. They just feel like more than, and I'm not saying they're the best team in, <clears throat> in the nation, um, but they feel like more than any other team in the country that they are on a mission, offensively, defensively, whole package. It just feels like they're on a mission. Now, does that end with a national championship? I, I wouldn't go that far. Um, but I, I think a week after we saw Washington barely get by, albeit on the road in terrible weather, which I think both of those impacted the game quite a bit, especially the weather. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Oregon is going to welcome in the Beavers and really, really dominate them. I, I'm really excited to see how they look against a top 15 team uh, or, or whatever Oregon State dropped to after the loss to Washington. But yeah. Um, this one's very interesting to me. You've also got the, uh, other aspect of, of Bo Nix and his Heisman campaign. And sure. look, they put on a show in the first half a week ago. Um, and, and you would think in this one, probably you're not blowing them out to that extent. And, and he's going to try and run up the numbers the same way that Jaden Daniels is going to try and run up the numbers. Uh, it's a very interesting close, uh, or headed towards the close of the Heisman race. And, um, he's going to try and put on a show. And so that'll be very interesting to see as well. Yeah. I mean, that's the biggest thing for me. Um, can this Oregon offense continue to roll against a quality opponent? We've seen them roll against. I, I, I stopped just short of saying not quality opponents, but really their schedule of anybody in that top group is likely the most lackluster. Um, and I, I know that, uh, number of Washington supporters at, on the, at the station at 92.9 a game have, have been quick to point that factor out. Um, they've looked really good, but they really haven't played a lot of quality opponents and, and they're the most quality opponent that they played all season. They lost. So I, I tend to agree with you here. And this is going to be a very interesting game just for them. I want to see what they look like against a really good team that we know is a really good team, a team that is uh, that we know that doesn't have any glaring weaknesses necessarily, because you look at the USC Trojans, one of their best wins of the season, and they don't have a defense. Like that's a team that that is your if you want to get do a get right game, you schedule the USC Trojans because you know that you're going to score about 40, 50 points. Uh I mean, this isn't that type of team with Oregon State. This is a team that if Oregon State can control this football game, if DJ Uyangalale can complete passes down the field, and if Damian Martinez can continue to roll and run the ball effectively. Oregon State's got every shot to win this game. I, I think they'll at least make this an interesting game. I don't agree with your point that they're that Oregon's going to come out here and roll. I, I think that Oregon's a really good team. Um, I think that Oregon State's an equally good team that has just as much to play for because the fact that Oregon's leaving the conference and kind of left them for dead, I, I think that's going to play. Uh, that might play a role. In this I, game. I don't. I don't. Th- I disagree I with that. The feeling. players don't care about that. The, the players that aren't thinking. It's going to be played aspect. into their minds all week. All I disagree. Week. I, I disagree. It's going to be an emotional game. It's going to be a very emotional game. Uh, but this one, of course, is happening on Friday. On Saturday, you have the Apple Cup. Washington State at Washington, a game that uh, I really wish happened earlier in the season, truthfully, because Washington State's fresh off of a huge win uh, and the extra night's rest after they beat Colorado. Now, I don't really know who they are, really, necessarily. Cam Ward and company, like they, they seem to put everything together earlier in the season. Um, and then subsequently it seems like they've all fallen apart. Um, they've lost some pretty debilitating games and they got smoked by, by Arizona earlier and it was just all downhill from there. Maybe they figured something out last week and their win against Colorado. Uh, 
I tend to think that Washington. Hey, what they figured else. out is if you injured the opposing team's starting quarterback, you got a good yeah. shot. I think that's what yeah. they, they figured out. But they also they also unloaded on offense, and I, I think know. the offense finally <laughs> woke up a little bit. And the quarterback doesn't play defense. Uh, only the wide receiver. No one defense. on Colorado plays defense. So. Only the wide receiver, Travis. Hunt. Yeah, he's the only guy who seemingly plays defense for Colorado. But Washington, I think, figured something out last week. This they can look as sloppy as they want, but they have that clutch gene. And you can't teach that. Michael Penix and company, these guys, Dylan Johnson, uh, Roma Dunze, like these guys, they have that clutch gene. And you can't teach that. I think that's going to win the day. They're also just too talented. They're not going to lose this game. I, I think they have too much to play for, and they know it. Look, Washington State lost six in a row before the win over uh, Colorado for yeah. obvious reasons. Colorado's flawed. Shador Sanders got hurt, and that's what happens. For Washington, it was very difficult. It was almost frustrating for me to see them a week ago because – I could tell watching the game how impacted they were by the weather. I really yeah. wish I had been able to see, because I think they were much better than uh, Oregon State, to, to be honest. Uh, I think they were much more affected. Uh, I think there were a lot of points off the table because of the weather, because of drops, sure. because of issues. I really would have liked to have seen them um, because I think they were actually a lot better than Oregon State. And the scoreline and, and the gameplay didn't necessarily show that. So, it was tough to get a read on them from from that week. I, I agree with you. I, I just don't think these two teams are are, are playing at the same level right now. And, and look, uh, frustration with the, the game, how it went against Oregon State, frustration with how they've looked in uh, games against Arizona State or USC or whoever you wanted, they're undefeated. And, and that's what matters. And I don't care if they win by one point or 100 points. If they stay undefeated, they're getting into the playoffs. And that's the goal for Washington. And, and they're certainly not – looking ahead to um, a Pac-12 title game. They're, they're focused on uh, this week, and and I think they're going to handle business as well. This could be another one of those emotional games. I don't think it's going to matter nearly as much because right. this Washington State team is just not really on that same level. But, again, this is another team that was left for dead uh, by a team going to the Big Ten. Um, I don't know if we're going to have any future iterations of this contest. Um, I think that we will. I think there was a promise that there that this game was going to be continued for at least for the next three years. I, I want to say that was correct, but um, as far as the future, it's all in doubt. Uh, just with all of the changes that are happening in college football, and it's a damn shame. The Apple Cup is a great rivalry uh, between two teams in Washington who don't like each other very much. Um, now we're going to move down to the Territorial Cup. The Arizona Wildcats go on the road to take on Arizona State. Um, Arizona State's not really a good football team at the end of the day. Arizona has something to play for. Uh, no Fafita and company. They have just had, truthfully, one of the most spectacular second half runs of anybody in college football. I think that you can say you can put them on the list with anybody in the country, anybody in the country, because of what they have managed to do down closing down the stretch. They have a chance to play in a Pac-12 title game. And if you had told me that week four, I would have laughed at you in the face, man. I <laughs> would have said that the rest of the conference would have just cannibalized itself to the point where. Uh, this is it would just be an unbelievable fact but look if Arizona wins this game and Oregon loses in uh, the civil war on Friday and then it's going to go down to tiebreakers and because those teams never played each other um and then at that point it's anybody's game and Arizona very much has a chance to play uh but that starts by winning this game against Arizona State which I think that they should um they've proved time and again that they are just a different football team with Noah Fafita as the starter Everything changed when he got supplanted as the starter, or not, he supplanted the starter, um, and they just looked like a completely different football team. What's say you, Abe? 
Yeah, they absolutely have. It's it's been interesting and exciting to watch uh, yeah. a little bit of new life co- come into this program by Jed Fish and Fafita. And hey, look, I know it's the a road <laughs> game. I know it's a rivalry. Uh, but they just seem to be clicking in ways that we didn't expect to see them clicking earlier this season. So uh, I really like Arizona. And like you said, they, they've got to um, now, now they will know, right. Cause they'll, they'll have the uh, civil war. Oregon, Oregon state is Friday. So they will know yep. going into their game, if they can play their way into the PAC 12 title game or not. I, I don't think that changes the result here, knowing whether or not this game matters in that uh, perspective or not. Uh, they're simply the better team. They're playing at a much higher level. And, um, they, you know, there's an outside shot that they're on the edge uh, of a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, it would take a couple of upsets ahead of them, right? Sure. Like Missouri would lose stuff. But they, they, you also keep that in mind. Uh, so some interesting stuff uh, for Arizona. But you got to really like what Fafita has brought to the program, brought to that offense. They are rolling. They are. They're a fun team to watch. And if you're not doing, if you're not watching Arizona, do yourself a favor and click that game on on Saturday. Uh, Big 12, I'm, we're going to finish in the Big 10 because, of course, there's a massive sure. game that we want to get into. We're going to finish there. Uh, so let's move to the Big 12 quickly. Um, let's start BYU and Oklahoma State, Ollie Gordon and company. They have a chance to go play in a, in a uh, Big 12 title game. All they got to do is beat BYU, which I think they shouldn't have too much of an issue with. The uh, Honestly, the Cougars are, are not really having the best of seasons their first year in the Big 12. Uh they are currently sitting around the bottom middle of the team of the conference. But as far as all of the new additions, they're having the best season of any of those. Uh, what say you about this game? Well, look, BYU took Oklahoma to the brink uh, a week ago and o- mm-hmm. Oklahoma state needed a wild comeback against Houston. They were down for a long time in that game. Uh, and then they went on a, a crazy run where, where it was impressive and Ollie Gordon got rolling. They, this is, this, this is just about Oklahoma state, not starting slow. <laughs> In my opinion, don't don't look the way you did against Houston, where you're kind of sleeping through it, and, and it takes you a while to wake up. Uh, come to the game ready to play. Get the ball to Ollie Gordon and uh, let 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 him run his way towards uh, a berth in in the Big Twelve title game. It's that simple. Look, they they've shown through through multiple results that they're the better team. Yeah. Uh, in our opinion, uh, than BYU. So so just let the talent take over, but uh, just make sure you're awake. Um at the start of the game. Yeah. BYU's of course lost four games in a row. I mean, what I'm looking at the standings right here, and this is just a testament to the difference between the group of five and power five, four of the bottom five teams in the conference are the new additions. So yeah. Take do with that information as you will. Um, we'll, we'll see a little bit more when some of these other group of five teams move, make their way into power five conferences, or I guess power four conferences, I guess they'll be called next year. Um, but that is a discussion for a different time. Uh, Oklahoma State, if they win this game, they clinch the Big 12 title game berth. Uh, if they lose that game, that opens the door to two other squads. The first one is Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma is, of course, taking on TCU. They should roll in this game. Uh, I expect them to. They're, they're, they've kind of figured something out a little bit. Of course, you mentioned like they uh, like they did lose. They did they did uh, they were brought to the brink last week against mm-hmm. Brigham Young, uh, but. They won the game, and that's all that matters. Before that, they rolled against West Virginia. They lost Bedlam, lost to Kansas um, after struggling against UCF. So they're kind of a hot and cold team. I expect them to win this game against TCU. Dylan Gabriel, uh, his status is is questionable coming into this game. Um, But if you win this game, you put yourself in position to go back to a Big 12 title game. 
Yeah, uh, look, I mean, it's it's tough to not be in control of your own destiny in regards to Oklahoma, but um, the other thing is they play on Friday. Don't forget, this is a Friday game at noon. Uh, Oklahoma State won't go until Saturday. So Correct. they won't know one way or the other whether or not they need this win to get in. So, uh, But you, you pretty much hit it. Like TCU, um, we understand what they did last year. That was last year, boys, because this is a vastly different team. And yeah. uh, Oklahoma, as you mentioned, should have no trouble um, handling this. If they if they show up and handle business, I, I mean, this is a home game. No reason for this to be competitive. The third team that has a chance to play in the Big 12 title game, of course, is, well, Texas would have to win. Texas still has to win, mind you. And then we need some other things to happen, but I'm assuming that that's going to happen there. Iowa State at Kansas State. Um, Iowa State's a team that looked to have figured some things out for, with Matt Campbell and company. Um, but then they lose last week to, to Texas in just a tough, tough game. Um, Kansas State is playing at home. They are the fourth-ranked team. They need a little bit of help. Uh, they need both of these teams in front of them to lose. Um, do you have any thoughts on this game? Well, well, similar to some of the other discussions, this is the late game in the conference. It's 8 o'clock, so they, Kansas State will know what sort of scenarios they have to play for. But yep. th- this is also just like separate of the Big 12 scenarios. This is a a matchup of two quality teams. Like, these aren't teams that are competing for the national championship, but they're not bums either. Uh, I think these are two competitive teams. I really like Kansas state. I really like Will Howard and what they do on offense. I like the way they play on defense. They've lost some close games this year. Uh, obviously the game to Missouri, w- which ended with an sec record, uh, long field goal for Harrison Nevis. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the game against Texas, which lost on, on a deflected two point conversion stuff like that. They, they've been very competitive this year. I expect them to keep that up whether or not they can play their way into the Big 12 title game. Last game that we'll get into is the game. It is probably the most important game of the college football season, or at least to this point. Uh, number two, Ohio State goes on the road to take on number three, Michigan. Uh, I, this game is going to be interesting, man. Just because, I mean, you have two teams who truly hate each other. You have two programs who who have clocks in their facilities counting down the days and hours and minutes and seconds to this game and Michigan, the winners of two in a row, of course, whole cheating scandal that surrounds head coach Harbaugh. Uh, Ryan day also has lost this game two years in a row. He played in a college football playoff last year, but everyone seems to forget that fact because he was lost to Michigan two years in a row. At the end of the day, I think this is, this would be a debilitating loss for Ryan day. If he comes and loses to not Jim Harbaugh in this game, I think that would be a humiliating loss. But on top of that, we saw the one game sample size. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not including the beginning of the season. That's completely different. I'm not, I'm not even going to factor that in. They played who gives a crap university uh, first four games of the se- three games of the season with Jim Harbaugh was, was suspended. Um, the final three games where he's suspended, uh, he's not really, the offense really hasn't looked very good. They've kind of played bully ball and it's worked. I don't think that's going to be enough to work against this Ohio state team. I don't give a damn if you're playing at home. I said last week on, on college football game time on Saturday um, that you can find anywhere on the odyssey app. We air eight o'clock to 12 noon on sports radio, 92, nine, the game. Make sure you give that a listen. Uh, but I said it there. I said that they might have a team in Maryland that could give them a little bit of a sweat, not good enough to beat them, but good enough to make them sweat. And that's pretty much what happened. Penn State made them sweat, but they just played bully ball and keep away. You're not going to be able to play bully ball and keep away against Ohio State. This team is a, this defense is just as good as yours. This offense is a little better than yours, I would almost say. 
because I, I think their playmakers are better. Can they stop the run? I think that's what really what it comes down to for either of these teams. Which team does better against the run? Because J.J. McCarthy, uh, in the games that he's actually had to throw in the second half, which really is just the last two, hadn't done a damn thing. Uh, I really haven't seen a lot from him to inspire confidence that he's going to be able to get the job done against Ohio State. I think this is a fascinating game. There are so many storylines. There's so much to get into. We're trying to do kind of a quick cursory understanding of this game. But, Abe, what are your thoughts? Yeah, look, if you had asked me most of this year if this game's going to come down to a quarterback and how good that quarterback can be in that game, I would have said we're talking about Kyle McCord. Mm. Um, but I'm sitting here and telling you that I have seen the last two weeks very closely in regards to JJ McCarthy and you are right. It's not enough to beat these big teams. Um, they ran the ball 30 straight times to close out the game against Penn state. Incredible. He threw the ball eight times. If JJ McCarthy throws the ball eight times, either six of those are going for touchdowns or they're losing this game. Uh, he he's got to be better. He's got to make plays. And for a guy in Kyle McCord, who most of this year had not been good enough based on the playmakers around him. We finally got the buck, mm. and you've been talking about this for two months. We finally got the Buckeyes run game figured out, it seems. Mm-hmm. And, and that's been a boost. Uh, when in doubt, throw it to 18. And Emeka Obuka seems to be as healthy as he's been all season coming into this game. So, um, all year, I, I have thought that Michigan was the better team, and I'm not so sure anymore. And a lot of it has to do with the last couple of weeks without Harbaugh, um, with, with McCarthy. And someone's got to show me a playmaker on <laughs> Michigan that's not named Blake Corum because yeah. um, I just can't imagine that Ohio State's going to allow Corum to run wild in this game. Um, they're pretty good up front to begin with. But based on the last two weeks of J.J. McCarthy, I think they're going to make it so we're going to show up and that guy's got to beat us if we're going to lose this game. It's not going to be Blake Corum in the ground game uh, getting by here. So it'll be a very interesting matchup. Um, At the end of the day, even as good as Blake Corum is, the best player on the field, as you mentioned, is 18, is Marvin Harrison Jr. And we'll see if on the road that's enough to get by. But look, the winner of this game heads to the Big Ten title game. Most likely, we'll head to the college football playoffs. Yeah, uh, assuming they can beat Iowa once they do get to the title game there. And um, we've known all year—I mean, all year long—we have known that these two teams were going to meet undefeated. Um, you know, as soon as Ohio State got past uh, Notre Dame, uh, I don't—I know we asked the questions about Penn State. Uh, we had to ask him at the time, but come on, <laughs> you know, we knew we knew. Um, so it's just great for, for this game to, as it has routinely in the past couple of years, mean what it means to college football. This is a loser leave town match. The winners probably headed for the college football playoffs. The loser is almost assuredly on the outside looking in. Uh, it is the only game this weekend where both teams can play their way into the college football playoffs, mm-hmm. and I cannot <laughs> wait to see it unfold um, on Saturday at noon. I wonder who the pressure is going to hit more. Uh, because oh, No pressure on Harbaugh. He's not even there. No, no. So 
there's lots of pressure in this game. I know, of course, it's all over the place, and I know you are, but it's Ryan Day can't have a losing record. If he loses this this game, they're going to the the noise would get so loud. You're gone. Like, like if he loses this year, next year is like a referendum. Like, if you can't beat them now, you're gone. Because this is not a like Ohio State has dominated Michigan really over the last 20 years or so for the most part. Yeah. Dominated. Jim Tressel was nine and one against Michigan. Like uh, Urban Meyer, I don't know if he ever lost to Michigan. Like it's they have dominated this rivalry. And at the end of the day, it's like Ryan Day is feeling heat. And he heard it all offseason. He's like, well, we did this and this and this and this. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Like if they had if 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 they had made that kick against Georgia in the in the Chick-fil-A in the Peach Bowl, and then they go on and, and just eviscerate TCU like Georgia did, there there always be that yeah, but yeah, but you lost to Michigan. Yeah, but you didn't finish it. Yeah, but you've lost two years in a row. If he uses if he loses three years in a row, not even to Jim Harbaugh, that noise is gonna get loud. It's gonna get very loud. And is it warranted? No, hell no. Like you lose to a really, really, really good damn football team on Saturday. And that's just what it was. You lost to a good football team. But on the other side, like Michigan is feeling pressure from everybody in the country. Everybody in the country is rooting for you to lose. Like I I, I don't know of anybody who's cheering for this team. Everybody, like there is lots of pressure on that organization. And it's a pressure cooker. When you do that Michigan versus the world, you put that badge on your chest, you know, that scarlet letter. and at some point you crack or it makes a diamond, you know, it, it bursts pipes or, or it makes diamonds. That's what the pressure does. And I don't know which side Michigan is going to be on. I think Maryland showed us something. They can move the football. If you just give up running the ball and just chip away with a short intermediate passing attack, which, you know, Ohio state can do pretty damn well. Um, I think that makes for a very fascinating football game, but the pressure aspect of it, I wonder who deals with it better on Saturday. From that scenario, I think Ohio State, in terms of in-game situations, Ohio State's been in more of those situations this year. Um, I know Michigan needed a play on defense a week ago against Maryland, as you referenced, but the the game against Penn State was a comfortable one in terms of game control. So in-game, I think Ohio State has that. Um, And because Harbaugh's gone, you have to wonder if if, whether you like Ryan Day or not. On the sidelines, they might have an advantage – as well and it now it's going to come down to um the home crowd uh having to negate some of those advantages um and in games like this in not just this one in any of these rivalries that really mean something in terms of the national championship picture there's always someone unexpected that steps up and becomes that guy we've seen legends made in college that never get to the pros never go to a combine mm-hmm. never hit a practice squad because of what they did in a rivalry game right i i i mean stuff like that mm-hmm. so it, i'm wondering who that guy is we all watch it for the blake corums and for the marvin harrisons of the world but uh there's always someone who, who gets their name etched in history uh anxious to see who it is this year yeah and this is always seemingly a game that ends that we would assume is going to be some low scoring 
like fist fight between heavyweight bout, a uh, heavyweight bout, if you will. But that's just when we all think that they're going to score 40 points in this game. So who knows what's really going to happen here, but I think it's going to make for a fascinating game with national implications, which, which honestly it needs to be number one screen on Saturday. This is the game to watch period end of story. And I am fascinated to watch this game. Uh, we're going to break all those games down on college football overtime coming up on Saturday. Again, when we welcome John Fricky in, tune in there on the Odyssey app or live on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. But Abe Gordon, that's it for us, man. College football overtime week 13. Whoa, it's just an incredible thought that we're already here. I, I love it. The college football season has flown by, um, but we've had a great time. We're going to get to you next up on Monday. We're going to get you all of our reactions right here on college football overtime. My name is Garrett Chapman. His name is Abe Gordon. Give us a follow on Twitter at GChapATL, at Abe Gordon. Make sure you're liking and subscribing this video. Share with your friends, man. We're trying to spread the wealth. We're trying to get everybody involved in some college football conversation. We love it, and we, do, and we love it. We love that you love it, too. <laughs> but for Abe Gordon, my name is Garrett Chapman. We are College Football Overtime. We'll see you again on Monday.